0: Hello, and welcome to Pragmatic Live, where we tackle some of the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Lisa Sork-Friedman, and today I'm joined by Ellen Naylor, one of America's pioneers in competitive intelligence and win-loss analysis. Ellen is also the author of Win-Loss Analysis, How to Capture and Keep the Business You Want. For more than two decades, she's guided executives and managers to world-class results with her unique 12-step win-loss process. Welcome, Ellen. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. We're glad to have you. Um, Why don't we start out with a little bit about your background? How did you get into win-loss?
1: Well, I got into win-loss since I had been in the sales arena for quite some years. And uh, uh, then I got into competitive intelligence and realized very quickly, bringing in my sales background, that customers are one of the best sources of competitive intelligence out there, as well as product development, so many other things. You find out that your product might be used in ways you didn't realize. So that's how I got into it. I had a very nice lady introduce me to the process back in 1988, 89 timeframe, and the rest is history.
0: Tell us a little bit about your book. Why
1: did you write When Loss Analysis? wrote win-loss analysis since I wanted to leave something behind in the competitive intelligence arena that has not been written yet. And this seemed like a great opportunity to share with the world how to win more business. Every time I complete a win-loss project and the customers take the recommendations I provide them, which indeed their customers and their competitors' customers have given to me, And make those changes, they always make more money. And I thought, you know, I should share this process that I've developed over the years because, you know, you keep tweaking it every time you do it to be a little more effective because there's things you learn along the way. So I think I was more or less done tweaking, so it was time to write a book.
0: Well, for our listeners who may not have uh, been involved in win-loss analysis, could you tell us a little bit about it, what it is and how it works? Sure. Sure. Ideally, what win-loss is, and probably the most
1: important piece of it, is the interview process where you interview your customers and those who chose a competitor about two or three months after the sale is concluded. So they know you're not selling to them. They know you're calling them to listen. And as you know, today in our quiet digital world, uh, people aren't asked their opinion about too much of anything these days. They're just doing and doing and doing so. A big reason why it works is because people are happy to share all the more so. And the other reason why it's really effective is there's so many people involved in decision making today, many more than there used to be. And uh, so getting your hands wrapped around decision making isn't as easy as it used to be. So I think it makes win-loss all the more important. After you've done about 20 of these interviews, you start to notice trends and the beauty of that is just putting it together and letting it tell the story and you know, things just as simple as, hey, the customer testimonials aren't very good. They're 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 not helping you win deals. Things like that come out of it. Or your product, as I said earlier, is being used in a way you've never imagined. And oh by the way, there's no competition there. That's kind of
0: what's behind it. Well, you had mentioned letting a little bit of time go by before you actually conduct these calls so that nobody thinks you're trying to sell anything. Um Does it matter who makes the calls? It's best if it's not sales, because it's a bit emotional uh, for
1: the customer and and the salesperson actually, because it's kind of an awkward position to be in. And some companies like to do it themselves and some outsource, pros and cons. The pro to doing it yourself is no one knows your business like you do. The con to it is you have some blind spots that often, you know, you do things the way you've always done them kind of thing. If you hire somebody outside of the company to do the calls, uh, there's a lot more floodgates opening up in terms of sharing by customers and those who chose a competitor. Don't ask me why that is, but it is. They know the information you're collecting as a consultant is going to that customer. They still talk more.
0: Hmm. What's Who do you recommend that uh, people contact? Which customers? How do you decide to do that?
1: Well, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, we ask sales who they have positioned with, who's the main person they've talked to, that's usually the first person and in more complex deals we might have to talk to several people at the customers so you know it kind of depends on the industry they're in and what the purchasing process was but we rely on sales uh, and sales management to give us that intelligence and in fact we have several things we ask them for in addition to the contacts you know like what's their job title and how did you leave this process and who were the competitors did you win or lose this deal was it a tough one? You know, so we have some good intelligence about that person we're going to talk to before we call them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you call these win-loss calls. So obviously some of them are to people whose business you've won and others are to people whose business you've lost. I would think that um, trying to contact someone whose business you've lost might be a little bit challenging. So how would you go about that? I, because I imagine that you would probably learn more almost from interviewing people whose business you've lost. That's interesting. You asked that question. I'm going to answer the first, the second part
1: first. (laughs) Okay. You you actually learn every bit as much from those people whose business you've won. Uh, And the reason why is uh, they're looking at the competition also, unless of course they haven't, then, then you're right. You don't learn, learn very much, but that's pretty unusual these days. Everybody seems to kind of check things out. Right. Um, And you lose, it, it is more difficult often to make that call to those who've lost whose business you've lost. But it's not that difficult because they did consider you. You were on their short list. Do you know what I mean? So you can come in that way. And a lot of times a good angle is simply to say, listen, we're trying to improve how we do business with our customers. And we're real sorry we lost your business. And we'd love to find out ways to win it in the future. And so we're looking to learn from you what worked and what didn't work. And also how happy you are with the solution
0: provider you have selected. Usually works like a charm. If win-loss is so successful, do many companies do it, do you find? And if it is successful, why aren't more doing it? I mean, or are they?
1: Well, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's no real statistics out there, although there are consulting firms that do, you know, put out studies. They only talk to a small number of people. And I think a lot of times it's their clients. So I think the answer is people are doing different forms of win-loss analysis or or assessing wins and losses, you know. Like the fireside chat or the Monday night football, you know, going around and saying, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? A lot of what companies are doing, I find, when they call me, is they're doing a good assessment within the company about why they've won or lost deals. But they're not asking the customer. So they're missing out on on that piece, which is pretty important. Because, you know, the customer doesn't always share with you why they said yes or no fully. And when you call them, they do. Why do some people do it and why do some don't though? That's a very good question. Companies that don't do it often don't know about it. That's number one. Uh, But number two is they think they're doing it and they're just talking internally or they think they're doing it when they're doing customer satisfaction and some of those other marketing processes, which are quite important and loyalty studies and all that, but that isn't talking to the customer after the deal was done, right? Um, And it's it's a very different um, dynamic because at this time, The customer knows you're not selling to them, so they feel very free to talk. The sale's done. They're like, phew. And they'd also like to think they made a good decision. Uh, Other companies are arrogant. That's why they don't do it, um, to be honest. And others, you know, they're just not comfortable with this whole process. Uh, Their sales force is very indignant and doesn't want it. So there's a lot of reasons why people don't do it. There's also a lot of reasons why people do do it once they realize, oh, we made these changes. And uh, sales are up a little bit or our customers are happier because you can, you can track all these things back with all the other processes you have in your company, like customer loyalty, et cetera. If all those things are kind of going up, you have a pretty good idea that some of those changes you've made were a good idea, were the right ones to make. And generally speaking, when you listen to your customers, they have a lot of good ideas if you just listen, take note of them. And, and then cogitate, bring them into your company and have a discussion about them you'll come up with some more of your own that they didn't exactly say, but they were leading you down that path. So it's, it's a pretty powerful process that way.
0: Well, I'm curious because you mentioned that some people think they're doing win-loss, but they really aren't. Um, so how do you make them understand that they're not really doing it? How do you pull the wool away from their eyes and help them realize that they need to be doing things differently than they are?
1: You know, just to give him some examples of companies that have and haven't and what the differences are, that usually works out pretty well. But also just to give examples of, well, you know, how do you like to make, how do you make decisions yourself? You know, just kind of throw it back at them. And they'll say, well, we do research and this and that and the other and all that. And I'm like, well, do you ever yourself as an individual even ask people how they made their mind up about your service or yourself doing it? Then people start to notice, oh, I hadn't thought about that. You're right, I am missing that piece because the customer is the one that purchases, not my sales force, right? My sales force is out there selling. They're not telling, right? So that's the wrong role for you to expect them to give you. They do the best they can because of course that's their role in life is to sell, but they can't crawl into the customer's brain, (laughs) you
0: know? Yeah, well then what are some of the most compelling reasons why people should be doing win-loss analysis? I think if they
1: want to win more business and they want to retain more customers, that is the bottom line of win-loss analysis. There have been some studies done there and win rates on average increased by 15 to 30 percent among those companies who actually have a formal win-loss process and they make the changes that are recommended as a result of doing the win-loss analysis because, you know, you can have all the interviews you want, but if you don't make the changes, you know, too bad, right? And there, there are a lot of benefits to doing win loss analysis that are more, I don't know, descriptive in nature, tactical ones like just making the right moves, having your sales force get to the customer, the right place, the right time, you know, and, and having the, 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 the pass off after you make the sale to the implementation team, you know, just doing a lot of the right things at the right time within your company and learning how you're being misrepresented, for example, um, you, you find that information out pretty readily you also get great information that you can push back out to your sales force and say, "Hey, when the competition says this, here's what you can say back because this is what the customers have told us." You know, so there's there's a lot of really cool deliverables that come out of win loss analysis that you just don't get from anywhere else. As the information is simply not shared by anybody other than your customer.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, now a lot of people say that win loss just renders tactical changes at companies. So could you give an example perhaps of a more strategic use of one loss analysis? Some people have found even new partners
1: from that. You know, you find out particularly in the technology field that a competitor is using a certain partner and they wish you were using them too. And that's a little more strategic for sure. And in my book, I actually have a chapter on a, a strategic acquisition we made when I was at Bell Atlantic. And it was to buy a communications provider. We were not allowed to. Uh, we were not allowed to manufacture our own voice communication systems at that time. And we hired a consultant who helped us with this analysis, who just did communications systems for a living. So, anecdotally, we used a lot of win loss analysis information to make that decision because he knew why customers were buying from all the competitors, and we just made it very simple, just six or seven different reasons why customers bought. And it became very obvious which uh, of the uh, candidates out there we should select. And and I thought that was a great use of using win-loss, the the idea that someone knew the marketplace so well that he could give us that level of advice to say, here are the three major competitors in this space, you're considering two of them, here's how customers decide to buy based on these two, and therefore you should buy A. You know, and at the end, and this was a board of directors presentation that was given. And at the end of it, they bought competitor A. That's interesting. Well, you know, another angle of it I just want to share, too, because it is kind of interesting. So often we have um, pretty major egos going on in boardrooms. So si- since we were using, yes, chuckle, chuckle, <laughs> since, we were, <laughs> since we were using the customer's opinion about all this, the customer's reasons why they bought it meant that we weren't using our own we weren't pushing our own agenda if you will we were saying this is what the customers were saying and in fact it was so it was it was a good acquisition as well but kind of a nice a nice uh, a nice delivery if you know what i mean
0: yeah well and and i think that's a good point that when you can use customer reasons it takes all the pressure off of you you know you you don't have to come up with anything because as you said they're not your words it's what other people who use the product are telling you that's right. And in the book, I think I list 15 strategic benefits you get from using
1: win-loss analysis that I've come across. There's probably more, you know. That's, that's a
0: lot of benefit. <laughs> yeah. Well, earlier you had mentioned that um, you can, you know, there's two ways to do win-loss. You can do it in-house or you can outsource it. Can you talk a little bit about the pros and cons of outsourcing the process? Pros and cons. Well, the first thing a lot of people ask me is, have you
1: worked in our industry? And I'm like, well, why does that really matter? Well, you have to have a very good understanding of our industry if you're going to be believed. And most of the time, actually, that's not true. What you really, you need to have an understanding of the industry, not none, but you can usually learn it unless it's something really, really high tech because what you really need to understand is customer's decision-making process. And very seldom... Do they decide based on technology? If it is, it's something pretty major. Do you know what I mean? It's not some little detaily thing. And that's the reason why they decided not to do business with you. But the biggest con is that customers say either you don't have their industry experience. Also, they're blinders, though. That's the other side of it all. Because, you know, if you're always working in the same industry all the time, it's just human nature. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the way we do things. If you work across a number of different industries, you bring in that um, cross functionality if you will almost into all your programs that you create and you think of asking questions not in the way the industry does necessarily and it it gets people talking more frankly you know so uh, but the, the other pro really is that customers share more when you use an outside consultant you just need to make sure they're professional they understand decision making processes very well they understand business do you know what i mean the basics of business, and that they, they do a good job interviewing. I think the analysis piece is pretty easy, pretty straightforward, because you let the answers that you're given tell the story. You have some quantitative and some qualitative stuff. But basically, what most people are looking for, in my experience, is what do we need to do differently that we aren't doing today so we can
0: make more money, retain our customers, do more cross-selling, right? Mm-hmm. And again, earlier you had mentioned, um, I think... Probably a good number is to do roughly 20 of these win-loss interviews. That gives you a good um, idea of trends? I find it does, unless you're looking for lots of different answers
1: to things. But, you know, for a simple win-loss win case, I, I usually say, hey, let's start with 20. Let's see where that, what that gives us. Now, if they are looking at multiple products, obviously, you need more. But I'm making the assumption that it's basically one product, maybe different iterations of the same product, but basically one product.
0: Okay. That's good to know. In closing, do you have any tips about win-loss that uh, you'd like to share that, that we haven't already discussed? Yeah, I do have
1: one. I have one major tip to share because people often do things for the wrong reason and win-loss is no exception. Sometimes they're just told, you know, we have to do win-loss analysis and, and they don't quite know what it even is, right? So we explain what it is. But so important to have a goal in mind when you're starting with win-loss analysis. What are you trying to accomplish? What's the bottom line? Why are you doing it? What do you want to get out of it? You know, That's a big tip I want to leave with people because a lot of times they say, well, we just want to interview everybody. No, you don't. That's a waste. You want to really figure out what it is you're trying to do. Are you trying to gain market share in a certain geography? Are you introducing a new product so you want to know how well it's doing with your sales force, are you checking out on certain people in your sales force? I mean, there's so many different goals you can have and your results will really reflect much better if you have some goals in mind of what it is you're trying to do, because you can't get all the answers in the world for win-loss if you just throw it out there, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think that's the biggest tip I have for win-loss analysis is, you know, have an open mind, do a little brainstorming, and decide where you want to go with it. Um, Also, do it on a regular basis. Uh, A lot of people just do it once, and it's better than not doing it at all. But the people who seem to gain the most from doing win-loss analysis are those who do it, you know, semi-annually or quarterly, and um, kind of build, it builds on itself. And it also allows you to say, okay, last quarter, this was my goal, and I feel like we've made the changes. We're going to have that still be a goal this quarter, but we're going to incorporate this other goal too so we can start measuring and assessing how we're doing. Does that make sense?
0: That does that I, I think that makes perfect sense um, because if you do it regularly then you're you're in the momentum you know you still have that flow so you haven't forgotten what you're doing and um, it's it doesn't go back on the back burner. That's right so I li- I like that that that's just part and parcel of your business process. I think that's great advice. And the second tip I
1: would say is make sure whoever is doing your interviewing is somebody who's a good interviewer, who connects with people right away, puts them at ease, you know, and uh, it's it's just so important because when I first started doing this, you know, you had an hour probably, 45 minutes to an hour, because people had more time back then. There wasn't all this social media stuff, right? (laughs) And now everybody's so busy. You get 20 or 30 minutes, you're thrilled, so... You have to kind of know me before you call me, so you look them up on LinkedIn, find out whatever you can, right? Make each interview count, and you have 20 to 30 minutes just, mm-hmm. so you, ha- you have to be all the more prepared to know as much as you can before you pick up that call and connect with that person.
0: Okay, so what does it look like when you make one of those calls? Obviously, you prepare yourself by going on LinkedIn and finding out whatever you can about the person you're going to call, but... How do you get them comfortable when you know you just have 20 or 30 minutes with them?
1: Well, the first thing I do is I send them an email so they kind of know what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's no surprises. And I think that's really important. The other thing is, before I call them, I have a reminder email or some form of communication, depending on their culture, saying, okay, are we still open for tomorrow? Blah, 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 you know, this sort of thing which is very important. So they they already know I'm kind of professional, right? I'm not there there to waste their time. And that's so important to to value people's time and let them know that. But what makes people comfortable is when they say hello, you have that sense of what they're like. And right away, you adjust your style of communication to match theirs somewhat. Um, I think that's really important. And I do it pretty subconsciously because I've been doing this for 30 years. But When I first started it, that was not the case. The other thing you do is, and I have a whole section on this in the book, to be a better interviewer. I have a couple of chapters on that. And you can use these tips outside of win-loss. And that is I prepare myself before I pick up the phone to get very grounded uh, to be present with that person and kind of forget about myself. And I also have this intention to leave the person that I am talking to to feel better about themselves at the end of the call than at the start of the call. I cannot tell you how that has changed my success rate in calls because people can tell.
0: Well, so how do you make them feel good about themselves or better about themselves by the end of the phone call?
1: Well, it kind of depends on what goes on in the phone call. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I build on what it is they tell me and basically reemphasize good points they've made. I say, thank you. I'm polite, um, which, you know, isn't always the case on phone calls. And I'll, I'll even say, gee, that's a really good point. Could you elaborate a little more on that? That's one of the best points I've heard all day or, you know, since I've started this project. And they'll go on. People feel good when you basically reiterate what they're saying. You thank them. You uh, make those kinds of points. And you're not being phony about it either. You know, it's it's honestly
0: how you feel, right? Right. Well, those are good tips. I like those. I'll have to incorporate some of them myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Ellen, how can people contact you, and how can they get a copy of your book? Well, my book is available on Amazon as a hard copy, or I should say hardcover
1: or a soft copy, and also through, it's also on the Kindle program, and if people want signed copies, they can contact me directly, and um, I think the easiest way to contact me is just Twitter, at Ellen Naylor, at Ellen Naylor is the
0: easiest. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for talking to us today, Ellen. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope that our listeners will uh, take a look at your book. And I know there's a lot of great information in there that will help with win-loss analysis. Well, thank you so much, too. Thanks for listening to Pragmatic Live. To learn more about win-loss analysis, check out Ellen's website, ellennaylor.com. You'll also find articles and webinars about win-loss analysis on our website, pragmaticmarketing.com and be sure to see when our courses are coming to your area.